everybody. Welcome back to Lit. I know it's not Tuesday, but thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. And joining me today is Katie Zed and her new puppy, Ava. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Nice to be here. I'm I'm checking the audio because a second ago, my mic was not working, but we got it fixed. But uh, since the last time I was here, we adopted a puppy. Her name is Ava. She is so cute. <laughs> Oh, so I there she is. There I'm going to put is. her in the Xena cam and hopefully she'll stay there. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But just to spoil her a little bit tonight, anyone who donates to our Buy Me a Coffee tonight, uh, our pups will get a special treat. Yeah, I have Very them right fun. here. They're ready to go. Ready so. to go. So yeah, just scan that QR code. I'll drop it a couple of times throughout the show. Uh, and if you drop us a coffee... We'll give some goodies to the dogs. That'll be so great. They're so yeah. cute. And let us know in the chat if you do it because it doesn't always pop up. Right. Yeah, definitely let us know. Um, and they have new bandanas on. Aren't so they cool. adorable? They're, They're matching. So I know. Matching Scooby-Doo <laughs> bandanas. If you yeah. guys don't follow Bandy's bandanas, that's actually my mom's uh, Etsy. So maybe we'll get a cute little logo for her on here at some point. But she sells those dog bandanas. They're super cute. Yep. But Katie, you're on tonight, which means we're talking about true crime. You sure are. I can't wait. Oh, it is so great. So the book we are talking about tonight is called The Killer Across the Table by John Douglas and his co-author Mike Mark Old Shaker. Sure. Sure. It's really John Douglas's book. It's really John Douglas's book. And if you guys don't know who he is, he is the brain behind the Mindhunter series. Uh, he's a big deal and we'll kind of go through his background before we really get into the case. But as always on Lit, I just like to read you the summary off the back of the book. That way you know what we're getting into. So let's go into it. The FBI's pioneer of criminal profiling and the inspiration behind the hit Netflix show Mindhunter, John Douglas has spent decades working with law enforcement to understand the criminal mind and hunt serial killers and violent predators. Ooh. He has researched, interviewed, and analyzed some of America's most notorious murders, including Charles Manson, son of Sam killer David Berkowitz, the BTK strangler Dennis Radar, while also training FBI agents and investigators from around the world. That is quite the resume. Yeah, he was one of the first, or the first, criminal profiler for yeah. the FBI. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is a big deal. So his book, Killer Across the Table, explores the lives and crimes of four of the most disturbing killers Douglas has confronted, explaining in detail how each case expanded his knowledge and study of criminal behavior. He goes step by step through his encounters with these murders, connecting each sadistic predator's crimes to his convention, to his conversations with them, and showing how he used his interrogation skills to expose their true evil. So just based off of that summary, that's an in-depth book. It is. It, it really is. Um, and I really like how it's not just the four cases. He does talk about some other cases in the book as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it could be so easy to just like look at the four cases and the facts about them. But he brings in so much evidence from those other cases, like the high profile ones that are mentioned yeah. in the summary, like some we've even talked about on this show before, which Absolutely. is crazy. The amount of crossover between our last episode together, which was a taste, for, a taste of poison or a taste yep. for poison. So yep. good. 
uh, just what were your thoughts about the book? I thought it was very good, but I love criminal psychology. And you know me, I'm not really into fiction books. I'm more of the nonfiction type of person. So um, I... The, the, the two cases, the two middle cases I had never heard of before reading the book. So that was very interesting. I forget. I should have the notes pulled up. Condra <laughs> was one of the names. And yeah, then that Kondra male nurse and, from Ohio. Yeah, yeah, the male nurse was um, Donald Harvey. So, Don, yeah. yeah, Donald Harvey. So those two I had never heard of before. Um, so I, I found that very interesting. And just to know the details of especially the first case um, with the, the young girl who was kidnapped and murdered like what her mom did for safety it's just so interesting how she took something so tragic and turned it around to help other children the some of the stories we're gonna go through here are very hard and uh, Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna lie about that so before we get going i do want to give a small trigger warning for this episode because i mean we're gonna get real um I think this is the, we have talked about uh, murder on lit before with the taste for poison, but these are some really heavy topics. The first two cases made me cry a lot. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's very interesting to look at it. And all that being said, it, there's going to be spoilers this whole episode. So here's your spoiler <laughs> warning now. I mean, it's true crime. These cases I think are quite old now. Yeah. Um, I think but, the most recent one was in, uh, 2007 or something like that. Right. So, and that's scary to think that 2007 is not recent anymore. It's not. It's really. It's 15 years ago. Almost 16. Uh, yeah. I feel really old. <laughs> if you feel old, imagine how I feel. Oh. <laughs> All right. So let's just talk a little bit about John Douglas. So we kind of read. A short resume of his off the back of the book. So we know he joined the FBI in 1970 and his first big assignment was in Detroit, Michigan. He was in the field for a long time as a sniper for the FBI and the local SWAT team and later became a hostage negotiator. I think that background was really instrumental in him getting involved in behavioral science and criminal psychology, mm-hmm. which, which is all very interesting. Um, even though true crime can be really hard, just understanding how the brain works is so interesting and it helps to catch killers or catch the behavior before it happens like because of studies like this we know that people who kill kids or kill animals in their youth end up being serial killers so we know the things to look for to help prevent it so it's important work it really is super important work um, and so the things that he's done, I mean, like you said, he was the pioneer behind it. Um, he helped establish the FBI's National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And he first, ironically, made his public name uh, surrounding the Atlanta murders. Yeah. So that that's kind of personal and local to us. It really it, it is. And I had not heard of the Atlanta child murders until I moved here. Um I don't know if it wasn't national news or I just wasn't paying attention back then. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh, it looks like our stream might be a little bit messed up. Katie, oh, you want to no. take the first case while I figure out what's going on? Uh, yeah. Here, I got um, some info for us. Let me 
pull up the notes that you sent me that I should have had pulled up already. And I will start. The first case is about a young lady named Joan. And I'm sure once I get the notes in front of me, I can tell you all about her. Um, But she was a Girl Scout and she was out. She had went around and sold Girl Scout cookies um, and was going around delivering the Girl Scout cookies and collecting the money. This was, oh, what am I doing? Um, I clicked the wrong thing. Okay, <laughs> um, all right, I got to pull them. Um, all right. Let me know if you need me to scroll it. Oh, that's okay. I'm going to look at your notes instead of these notes because I can't see. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, man, I wish I would have read through these notes more. <clears throat> um, no, you're good. Beforehand. Um, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to, this is what I do on my show is I just talk from my memory and I refer to the notes. Um, when, when I need to, but she was out delivering Girl Scout cookies and the gentleman's, what was his name? She goes to the door to deliver Girl Scout cookies uh, to right. a woman and her son, her grown son, McGowan. I forget his first name. Right. I think um, it was Joseph McGowan. Joseph McGowan answers the door for, right. uh, and the mom is not home. And he's a grown man. He's a high school teacher, and but he still lives at home with his mom. He's like in his late 20s. He's 29 or something like that. And he ends up telling the little Joan to come on in. I got to get change for you <clears throat> to pay for these cookies that my mom ordered. Right. And he ends up having her come down to the basement where he was living at the time. And strangles her to death, which is horrible. I'm glad we did a trigger warning. Just so you guys know, if you come to my channel at all, the whole thing is a trigger warning. So I'm not going to give right. a trigger warning every time you tune in because all I talk about is this sort of stuff. Um, what was interesting about this is so he ends up killing her, strangling her to death, and he leaves because he thinks he's killed her and he goes to get like a plastic bag to put her in to dispose of her body and he comes back and she's not dead she's still moving uh and he ends up finishing the job uh for lack of better words uh which is horrible because that's enough time to realize it wasn't just a spur of the moment thing if you, you see what i mean if it was he would have stopped right there and um and and called the hospital or done something else rather than finish her off but he finished her off he did sexually assault her digitally um according to him and i think our author john douglas believes that's true although a lot of the other police did not believe that was true um and it he he takes her body to a nearby park which is over the border so this ends up being an fbi case because he lived in New New Jersey and dumped her body in New York. Yeah. I think that was the States. This is just from my brain. So you are doing amazing. Me Your memory is like <laughs> ironclad. Um, but he goes back. And of course, by this time, by the time he gets back to his neighborhood, she I mean, he lived just a few doors down from this girl. Right. He gets back to the neighborhood and everyone's out looking for this girl and he joins the search. Okay, just I got chills just saying that. Yeah. So he's out looking for this girl that he knows he just killed and dumped yeah. in a park in New York. Um but the, the the psychology behind this was interesting to me. Did you want to add anything to the crime part of it? No, the you got the crime part of it <laughs> okay. uh, down pat. Um, 
I th- I think, like you said, the most interesting part is the fact that he went to help with the search after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, the psychology part of this um, that really struck me is that what John Douglas ends up finding out is that it was the violence that was sexually motivating to him, not the actual sexual act right. itself. So it didn't matter if he sexually assaulted her or not. He was still going to get off from the right. violence. Um and I actually, there's another case. It's funny how all these cases kind of tie together. I watched a documentary today on the Peacock app, if you guys want to see it, but it's about the Amber Alert system and the young lady who went missing um, in the Amber. It, the, the girl's name was Amber, and that's what the system is named after. And it was a similar sort of mm. um, criminal profile. And this case is mentioned i'm not sure if it was mentioned in that but other research when i when i see a case i end up going like deep dive into it so i've read other stuff about it but this joseph mcgowan case is one of the ones that they're citing because of there was not a sexual component to it but the violence is the sexual component to it right so it all kind of ties together yeah it, it is interesting how all of these cases end up tying together. And so one of the biggest aspects of the book is the psychology aspect. So I really like how Douglas approaches his interviews. He doesn't come in with notes. He tries to create a very comfortable and amiable atmosphere. Because, I mean, if you're a criminal, you're not going to open to some guy who's sitting there berating you. You're going to concoct mm-hmm. some story. You're not going to be honest. And Douglas wants to get to the honest to goodness truth. Yeah. Uh, he wants to create a good rapport with the criminals. So they'll feel comfortable opening up to him. And and he even said, like, the first couple of interviews he recorded and that he even found made people not open up as much. So he stopped doing that and doing it all from memory. Right. So he'd, he'd um, do these interviews and then immediately leave the prison and sit in his car and make all the notes so he could remember what was said. Right. That must be a crazy good memory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the, it's interesting how. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the one thing I want to... She's Louise. She is so cute. I can't handle her. (laughs) Got to train her to be a good... Like Xena. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Xena, show her what she's supposed to do. Um, The... The before we move on to the next case, I just want to bring up that this um, the mom in this case, Rosemary, Rosemary. is a hero. Uh, She really strikes me as a woman who uh, to take something so tragic that has happened and she's um, had laws passed. uh, She's this case is the reason why you don't have girls coming to your house selling Girl Scout cookies anymore. You see them at the Walmart parking lot and other places at church. Um, But they're not coming door to door anymore because of this case. And she fought for that. Um, You know, cruelty is very difficult to talk about. Uh, It's like your first instinct is to turn away from it and to getting crazy in here um, <laughs> your first in, yeah your first instinct is like to turn away and like turn a blind eye to this sort of stuff but when you do that you're missing out on opportunities like um rosemary mcgowan has taken right. has turned it into an opportunity to help other children yeah her work is extremely important she uh at about three years after everything happened she did a grassroots movement to pass Jones law 
which was essential for all of that. So mm-hmm. basically, if someone murders a child under the age of 14 in conjunction with a sexual offense in the state of New Jersey, they will never be eligible for parole. That is huge. Yeah. That is absolutely huge. Uh, and the justice for the victims of these crimes is is really important in the fact that she was able to do that despite everything that happened. Yeah, and to, pre- really yeah, to prevent other crimes from happening. So you can't you can't turn to even though it's it's more comfortable and and it's it's easier to just not talk about it. Um, it has to be talked about because we have to save the next generation. Right. That's right. And if it's uh, any consolation, uh, well, if my thing won't work, he did die in prison. Good. <laughs> we found out in 2021. Yeah, good. Exactly. I don't I think mean, I. Is- I don't think I knew that because when the book yeah. was, I think this book was written before he was dead. So I just read the, yeah. read the book on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just, that's good. just a little glimmer of hope that justice was received. Um, yeah. And because we are talking about such heavy topics today, and I like to base so much of this podcast in faith, I just want to remind folks uh, about a couple of things. We do. It is hard, like Katie was just saying, it is hard to look evil in the face and it can be hard and it can be scary. Uh, But I think it's important to remind ourselves of a couple of things. So one verse I want to read for us uh, is Ephesians uh, 6, 11 through 12. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Amen. There's real evil here. Yeah. yeah. Then there's a lot of evil in the world and it is the devil showing himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, sorry I keep looking around. I don't trust this dog at all yet. Not at all. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. If you want to help Katie train Ava, don't <laughs> drop us a little treat for it. Support the show. Scan the QR code. Send us a coffee. And yeah, absolutely. Train trainer. <laughs> She's so cute. I can't handle her. Zena's uh-huh. doing a good job as a big sister training her. So though. proud of Zena tonight. <laughs> yeah. She's doing amazing. So uh, the last thing about this case I do want to mention is red rage and white rage. I think that was the oh, one yeah. of the interesting psychology pieces mm-hmm. that were that was discussed in this particular chapter. Yes. Um, So that was something that the killer himself mentioned to Douglas. So Mm -hmm. he said, just quoting straight from the book, red red rage, that's hard to say, red rage bothers me, but I can turn my head, focus and control it. Like when someone cuts me off in traffic or if I have a conflict at school, but white rage, I cannot control. I wonder if we all don't have a little bit of that. I think most of us have probably red rage, but the out of control rage, I don't think most people have that. I know I don't have that. I've never been able to not control my rage. It's not saying I don't get mad uh, or, you know what I mean? Or, or am rageful when somebody cuts me off in traffic, but I'm able to control it. I'm not going to follow that person and pull a gun on them or some, you know, something crazy like that. But there are people in this world that cannot turn it off and that's what joseph mcgowan um even though he's an evil killer was kind enough to share with john douglas so we can understand the psychology a little better i think that's a good point and that brings us to the question we're going to ask 
uh, each other and the audience after every single case. Is it nature or is it nurture? So in McGowan's case, his mom was psycho. Yeah. A lot of these killers. That's another yeah. one of the, the main things, along with the um, not being nice to animals when they're uh, in their youth, is having overbearing bad moms. Like, just overbearing. Um, I think it's more overbearing than even bad moms. It's not necessarily right. that they're bad moms, but they're just an overbearing mother. Yeah, because uh, in the book... Douglas talks about how the fact that McGowan was engaged to be married. He was trying to move out from his mother's place and she essentially wouldn't let him. She basically said it's me or her. And here's the thing with that. I, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm very skeptical of a lot. (laughs) I'm just a very skeptical person in general, but, um, we're only hearing his side of the story. Like we haven't heard his mom's side of the story. So like, what was wrong with this girl? Was she like a hooker from the, or, uh, you know, a stripper from down the street or like, is there a reason for his mom not to like this woman or was she just didn't want to let go of her son? We don't know. But the only indication I have that she might just not want to let go of her son is that if I remember from the book correctly, during the trial, the mom was mad at Rosemary. Like mad at the mom whose child died. Uh-oh. Tech issues. It's not a Hawkhound stream of darn te- Oh, she can't hear me. Can anybody hear me? Can anybody hear us out there in the stream? R.I.P. Uh, well, yeah, one of the, int- I guess I wouldn't say interesting. One of the really disturbing parts of the case is that the mother of the killer was angry at the mother of the victim. Um, And that's just genuinely horrifying. Okay, bad quality memes can hear me. Glad you're here, bad quality memes. Let's see what's going on in the chat. Sparuski lady, first time I've seen you here. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for joining us tonight. I know we had some tech issues just launching off. Uh, It's been a tough week. There are going to be some big things coming out. Uh, later in the weeks that kind of explain uh, why I'm tweeting from the DW Out of Context account. Um, But stay tuned. Um, And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this podcast. I feel bad for everybody who's listening on audio. If you're listening on audio, this is why you need to come join the visual podcast over on YouTube, Rumble and Odyssey. And please don't forget to subscribe to YouTube, Rumble and Odyssey. Um, I will be in Rumble We're going to have a Rumble-only segment for the first time ever on this show, so don't forget to subscribe over at Rumble um, to hear the rest of the episode later on, but we'll get there first. Hopefully, Katie will be back here soon, Um, but let's go ahead and talk about the second case. So the second case is about, uh, sadly, it is another child murder case. Um, So this is the murder of Rima Traxler, Red and Kyla Silvernance. And the, the killer was Joseph Con. He is he got to know the families. He basically got close these young children and molested them and eventually got to a place where He 
feel like my internet's starting out. Uh-oh. Can everybody still hear me okay in the chat? Man, this is crazy tonight. Crazy tech issues. So, yeah. Again, this was another really hard case. So, Rima Traxler uh, was one of the victims. She went to St. Helens. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yay, there you are. Okay, it's not coming through my mic. So, I'm going to try to still fix that while we're talking. I'm so okay. sorry. I don't... Sorry. My internet started fritzing. This has been a crazy stream, guys. You know, it's not a hot count stream if there aren't like an abundance of tech issues. It's absolutely it's nuts. It's not even anything I'm doing wrong, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. This is something I kind of want to mention. I know it's 100% off topic. Um, but I genuinely think that uh, between conspiracy pill between overruled between lit like hawkcon media is doing something really important we're all doing something really important um because we're trying to make content that isn't afraid to speak for the truth that isn't afraid to talk about our faith katie are you smiling at me because you can't hear me audio to come back through my headphones instead of just out in the air so okay, that's one way. good oh no it stopped again oh i can hear you can you not hear me okay i <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I'm going to try to fix my mic now, too. But Go yeah, you're absolutely right. I love that Hawkhound, every creator on Hawkhound Media is sharing something that they're passionate about, but from a perspective of faith. Yeah. I think that's really important. And I also think that relates to why we have so many tech troubles. It, it, it might seem like we're poorly produced. I promise we're not. We all work very hard. Um, we are still learning, so do be patient with us. But I do think there is an element of spiritual warfare going on. Uh, and I think that will become more evident in the weeks to come as uh, more things are talked about. But we are trying very hard to do something very important to stand up for truth and not be afraid to speak truth. Uh, yes. Even we're when we're just talking about things that we care about, things that are interesting to us, like uh, true crime, like books, like conspiracies. Um, I think so. I fixed all of the tech issues now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the second case. <coughs> Holy cow. <laughs> you, If you think this is bad, you should see my stream. <laughs> Oh, wait, where's the... Okay, she's under the desk. That's fine. Okay. She can stay there. <laughs> okay. okay, so this next... Um, you're going to have to help me with names and dates, but I can pretty much... I know the stories. Does that make dates sense? Dates I'm fuzzy on, but yeah, I can help you with names at least. So this gentleman, um, Condro, I believe his name was. Yes, correct? Joseph yeah. Condro. So many Josephs. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that one stream I had where it was everybody was named Stephen. It's like, and it was That's just weird. random. It was two cases that I'm like, were, were similar. I'm like, oh, they should be covered together. And it turned out both of the people happened to be named Steven. That's crazy. And they yeah. made it difficult for me because one of them was spelled with a PH and one of them was spelled with a V. <sighs> so the made the title difficult. <laughs> right. <laughs> Steven and um, Steven. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So Joseph Condro is a very different kind of killer. Right. And... Um, he did kill young girls, again, a little bit older than Joseph McGowan. I, I believe these were young teenagers. Um, Some of them, I think, were straight up young. Like, Yeah. 
yeah okay so maybe about the same age but what's unusual about it is all of these girls that he killed were friends of his family he knew all yeah. of these girls so which is unusual for a serial killer not to seek out strangers uh this is somebody who he he knew them so well that the parents gave him the code word uh like you know when you were a kid and the parents are like well don't go with any stranger unless they know the code word right and he knew the parents so well that he he was one of those emergency contacts that did know the code word and that's how he got them to get into the car um and it seems to me that it's not as if he made friends with these people just to get to their daughters uh from what i understood from the book is he had been friends with these people for years and years and years right. and they just happened to have daughters uh and it it, there was two cases outlined, and I, I think there was only three girls that he had killed. As um, far as they know, right? Yeah, as far as they know, true. Um, and they were many years, they were like 10 years apart, the two cases. Yeah. The first case went unsolved for many, many years, and it wasn't until he got caught for the second case that it came up. They're like, well, hey, this other girl that you knew back in the day went missing and was found in a very similar way, Joseph. Do you know anything about that? Do you know anything about yeah. that? And he ended up using that uh, to his advantage, which it, I like that people can get closure, but it kills me when the murderers end up using it to their advantage to get out of the death penalty, which is what he did. He yep. ended up copping to that first crime in order to not get put to death by the state of Washington. Um, which, if he had known what we know now is Washington, even though they technically, same with California, technically have the death penalty, same with Illinois. Right. They're not putting anybody to death anytime soon. People sit on death row there and die of natural causes almost every time. Yeah. Uh, so... It's I think such a Illinois gross hasn't waste of our justice yeah. system. I think Illinois hasn't put somebody to death since John Wayne Gacy, and that was oh my like, gosh, <laughs> that's like a really long time ago. That was a and really long time ago. Death penalty is still in the book, so I don't know what they're doing. I don't either. It's that's not like crazy. here in Georgia, we put people to death all the time. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so what? I know the first couple of cases for you were difficult to get through but is there anything about this case that um stood out to you the fact that he actually knew the family members beforehand it was very much a crime of opportunity it's not like he was going out and seeking out some strangers it's not like he was stalking around elementary schools i mean he he could have done something to prevent himself from being caught more, mm -hmm. but he didn't. Um, well, and, and it that's was an, simple proximity. That's another thing that stood out to me in the interview with Joseph yeah. Condro is that John Douglas asks him, Hey, is there anything uh, that you would have done different? And the one thing that both is in common with this case and the next case that we're going to talk about is the killer's only regret is that they got caught. Not right? that they actually did the murders. <sighs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It, it, it is actually insane. Mm -hmm. uh, and it shows you the true depth of evil that is in these people. Yeah. The fact that the only thing that makes them feel bad is that they got caught. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think his answer was, oh, well, the one thing I regret is I didn't hide the bodies better. It was put them somewhere else or something like that. Yeah. And like he hid one under a car that was in the forest. Yeah. Like, I'm telling y'all, these cases are hard. They are Mm -hmm. very hard. But the fact that Douglas took the time. Can I just say that the fact that Douglas had to sit in a room calm as a cucumber while a child murderer is sitting across from him a- oh across gosh. the table across, <laughs> literally i mean the title of the book the killer across yeah the table. well and he even said that he like you know he he would get special privileges for these guys right. to get them to talk so he'd be he'd have like outside uh, food and drinks or whatever brought in um one of the things he said is he wanted it not to seem so sterile like a prison so he he just right. had a table lamp um instead of the you know overhead lights or whatever and try to make these guys feel as comfortable as possible and make sure that they didn't feel judged so they would open right. up and i t- my face tells it all so i would never be able to do that job yeah. because i'd be like Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just like uh yeah. That that is not a job I could do. Yeah, me neither. So just talking about like the psychology of it. So breaking down uh some of the facts of the actual person of Joseph Condro. Mm-hmm. The thing that really gets me about him is that I don't think this is a nurture problem. I no. think this is very much a nature problem. He was raised by adoptive and loving parents, according yeah. to Douglas and according to him. Uh, and he claims that he started acting out when he found out that he was adopted. It, yeah, but that doesn't. There's so many kids that are adopted into right. loving homes that just thrive. So right. it's got to be something deep down in his psyche. And I feel like it's a. It's an excuse that probably some therapists had given him, like those counselors they probably talked to in prisons. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you found out you were adopted. You probably weren't loved enough as a child. I well, mean, and that he's another one me. that hurt uh, animals as a kid, too, yep. I believe. Yeah, he was saying he had friends that he would go and, like, find neighborhood stray dogs and cats and stuff and kill them. Ugh. Like if, okay, anybody out there, if you're watching right now and you have a teenage son, I mean, daughters too, I guess, but not to the same, not like statistically speaking, your sons, if you see them torturing animals, you need to do something right now today. Right now. Not wait to see what happens. Like that's a huge, a huge That's one of the three um, indicators, right? It's like the uh, serial killer triangle or whatever Douglas called it. It was um, abusing animals, starting fires and bedwetting. Yes, bedwetting. That was the, yeah. Like, not when they're young, right? But when they're older, they still do that. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And well, and if you have a girl that's bedwetting too, that's a sign of something else. So get that checked into. Get that checked out. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, But it's not like he didn't have a decent upbringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He mentioned being bullied in school. I feel like all of these are excuses. Yeah. Right. I'm going to excuse my bad behavior because I thought I wasn't loved enough or because I was adopted or because people in my school didn't like me. Mm-hmm. That does not excuse the evil in your heart. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think for him, it comes down to nature for me. I don't know about your I, 
I believe so too. I think all cases, it's both. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's kind of like personality types. Like, y- yes, I'm. I think of myself as an introvert, but I have I have moments. You know, you know what I mean. Like, I think you have a has- podcast and you're an introvert. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely, a hundred percent. Like it, and like around real people, I just, oh yeah, I like shut down. <laughs> so so, um, but. But I think everybody's a mix of all things or or like uh, I was having a conversation with another group of friends the other day about like alpha males and sigma males. And Mm -hmm. like, I I think that males or I don't I don't know what What I don't know what I don't know the whole thing. (laughs) But the consensus was that everybody's kind of a mix of all of these things. But one Mm -hmm. is predominant predominant. And I think this is similar situation where um, it is nurture and nature, yeah. uh, where maybe one's more dominant than the other. And this one definitely nature seems to be taken over this one because he did not have anything catastrophic in his childhood that would, right. you know, he didn't have that overbearing mom and right. and the other things that he wasn't. About. Bad things didn't happen to him when he yeah. was a kid. He wasn't abused. He wasn't beat right. by his, 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 obviously his parents left him but not that he knew of uh you know what i mean it's not like his dad walked out to go get cigarettes one day and never came back never came back right yeah and that does again i i feel like i keep saying this over and over but that doesn't excuse bad behavior there are people who go through the worst things imaginable and still come out on the other side as genuinely good people yeah most people yeah everybody has Trust me, yeah. everybody's got stuff, some worse than others, but right. it's it's not an excuse, um, but it is a glimpse inside the psychology of it, like I said right. previously, to maybe prevent it from happening again. Yeah. Some indicators we can look for, like yeah. you said, so I hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So our third case is a case very similar to one we talked about on our last stream together. You're taking the lead on this one. So I'm going to see if I can find the dog because she just okay. disappeared and I'm really nervous. <laughs> I got you. Okay. So this guy is Donald Harvey um, and he was a nurse serial killer. He was linked and convicted um, to 37 murders i think the book even mentioned more but in this article they mentioned 37 um and they referred to him as the angel of death uh he was killing terminally ill patients at drake hospital in the 1980s that's not the only hospital he killed at uh he basically every hospital he worked at he would had a hand in some of the deaths there some of the things he used were things like cyanide arsenic and rat poison um one of the most gruesome ones to me was the catheter insert Mm. he used to puncture the bladder oh he used the wrong size catheter too it's not even that he inserted it to he, it's not even like he just inserted it and punctured the bladder. He used a right. female catheter, which is a bigger diameter, on a male. Right. How painful is that? It's got to be worse so than cool kidney stones, right? right? <laughs> Easily worse than kidney stones. Like, oh. And he was doing this to elderly people. Yeah. Like, and uh, you know what got me is I didn't know this while reading the book, but I did watch a thing this afternoon that was an interview with him. And one of the hospitals was a VA hospital. He was doing this to <gasps> veterans. Yeah, that is he, just it was at three different hospitals. Yeah, exactly. I know, Arvel. I'm sorry you just joined. And this is Wait, what you're hearing here. I can make it better. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, they're so puppy. That's why we have the puppy on when we make you yeah. bigger so everybody can see Ava. We need uh, we need puppy love for this very difficult stream that exactly. we're doing. Exactly. That, when we were before we, we went live, she was licking the mic for a little ASMR for Ooh, just. Can we get her to lick the mic again? That was so cute. I don't know. She interested in the mic? She, no, not at all. Guys, if you're on audio, y'all are missing out. Yeah. <laughs> now I keep pushing it, but don't forget if you want to give the puppies a treat, support yeah. the show. Send Jess a coffee, and I will give both of these dogs. Zena's alive, I promise. Right, Zena? Yeah, she's alive. Um, I will give them both a treat if you send just a, a, a coffee right now. I was going to say super chat, but that's not what it is. I mean, you can go over to Rumble and send uh, Rumble Rant if you feel so yeah. inclined. We're actually going to be over oh, there. You got twenty five on Rumble, or are you? Why are we on the I don't, I'm Rumble? I'm just paying for it. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. I know, but yeah. So don't forget about that, and we will be going over to Rumble soon after we get through this case, actually. So don't forget to subscribe over there. That'll be fun. Um, so yeah, this guy is such a monster. Did you go over the numbers? I took my headphones off for a second. Yeah, Seven, it was 70 people. 70 was people. It 70? So this article says 37, but I think you're right. The book said he got 70. Convicted of 37. Ah. He he admitted to, admitted to 30. I think it was 68. Or, it wasn't quite 70, but it was right. 68. But still. That's like a lot. That's that a, lot. a huge body count. And what I noticed is a lot of these, the other nurse that we talked about the last time we talked yeah. on your podcast had a huge number. Uh, I was going to say body count, but now they use that as something else. But um, he had a huge oh, number of people yeah. that he killed. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot, like there's um, that female nurse in Canada had a huge number mm -hmm. as well it was a nurse who who killed people it seems like these nurses just get away with it for so long they fly so under the radar that people and it's another one of these things the same as we talked about last time where instead of um you know uh catching them they think something's going on and they just transfer them to another hospital they fire them or have them resign and they transfer them to another hospital and they yeah. just keep doing it yeah they, they do the same it's thing with bad up. cops it's horrible it is actually horrible um i mean i can't It's scary, too, because we all rely so much on people in medicine. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter who you are. It doesn't matter when. Uh, we've all been to the hospital at some point, or we will yeah. go to the hospital at some point, because this is an imperfect world, and we have imperfect bodies, and we need help. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that people like this can end up in those positions of such high importance is scary. And to me, one of the scariest parts is that the hospitals often just push it along and mm -hmm. push it along and send them to another hospital and send them to another job. Like at some point, someone has to take responsibility and it's yeah. sad that they wait until someone truly makes a big deal out of it and waves a red flag. I mean, the only reason that Donald Harvey got caught was because of someone who was much younger and in a motorcycle accident. Mm -hmm. um, and Harvey had poisoned him with cyanide. And because it was a motorcycle accident, they had to do an autopsy on him. Yeah. Uh, and the mortician just had that smell of bitter almonds. Yeah. When 
was doing the autopsy, which is an indication of science. And thank goodness that person said something. Because imagine if that person is like, oh, that seems like a lot of paperwork. I don't I don't really care. You know what I mean? He was going to die anyway. It was, he was hurt so badly. So... Yeah. Like, thank goodness. And that's the other thing in the in the interviews and the psychology for this one. This um, guy, this this killer, this mass murderer says that, oh, I, I was doing them a favor by killing them. They were old and in pain. So I was doing them a favor. Yeah. Wouldn't you want me to do that for you if you were incapacitated? No, I don't want you to do that for me. No, Absolutely exactly. not. It is so grossly sick and it makes me think of what's happening in canada right now with the um the assisted self um yeah well, at least those people chose it for themselves these people right. did not choose it for they themselves yeah oh it's awful so uh, getting into the psychology of the case um supposedly he had a somewhat okay upbringing with his parents there's other things to suggest that his parents argued a lot Uh, Mm -hmm. there was suggestion that they were religiously strict but what was really bad was his uncle sexually abused him um, throughout his whole childhood Uh, and he never spoke up about it well he was a kid so he was a kid you know that's really hard and that's extremely sad That's extremely sad for anybody to go through something like that. Um, Yeah. I, uh, yeah, made in Canada. Yeah, exactly. I, um, I, it, it is horrible, but this, I don't, I, I understand the connection, but because those people are choosing it for themselves, it almost is not even, relevant to this because not a single one of these people said oh please is this guy's name joseph too is this no it's okay. donald, Park. donald donald please donald please don will you please put me out of my misery not a single one of them said that no, not a single one yeah. of them said that um and it, it is sad that he had such a hard upbringing and that bad things did happen to him mm-hmm. again doesn't excuse the evil doesn't no. excuse doing such horrible things to elderly people and not only that this is the case where after he was uh fired from his last hospital he went on to poison just people in his life his neighbor okay i'm glad you mentioned that because uh douglas starts talking about expanding your comfort zone so Mm -hmm. obviously his murder comfort zone whatever you want to call it yeah yeah was the hospital but he, because he never got caught, he got more comfortable and more comfortable. And he started, it was just a part of his life at this point. Yeah. He would poison the guy he was with to keep him from going out and stupping people in the park. Yeah, he's like, oh, I didn't mean to kill him. I just wanted to keep him sick. You didn't mean to kill him. He died. So, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah. apparently he was poisoning that guy for years before he died. And then, which oh gosh, there was a woman, and I forget yeah, what the neighbor, what the slight. Well, there was two women, the the neighbor, but then there was another woman, and I forget what the slight was against him. I think he she was just like talking shit about him or something. Yeah, and he, he inj- thought she was. Yeah, he injected her with an AIDS needle. Yeah. It's like 
and and this Who is in the eight, this is in the eighties when AIDS was not yeah. cured. Like it, it was a death sentence back then. Right. So it's, um, I don't think it's actually cured now, but it's manageable. Like it's it's not. It. Yeah, it's not a, like back then when you when you got diagnosed with AIDS, it's like yeah. all right, well you got a year, you know, right. you know, or however, I don't know, however, yeah, however long it was. That's why there's um, that whole musical about it. Yeah, exactly. But um, now it's they have medicine that manages it to where it's not a death sentence anymore. Um, right. But she ended up so he injected her with an AIDS needle which he admitted to she didn't even get aged but she got hepatitis because apparently that was on the needle too I guess right. um, but now she has to live with hepatitis her whole life that's not curable right. that's something you have forever exactly yeah um, and so there was this kind of excuse uh, that he was involved in the occult or was really interested in it yeah it was during satanic panic so yeah that was everything everybody thing. yeah <laughs> Everybody was into that. Yeah. I, I have conflicting feelings about this, and I, I don't know. You can tell me what you think. On the one hand, it, it probably was a distractor to be specifically involved with the occult, to because, uh, like, I think he was dating some woman who was like a, um, a mortician. Was, I think it was a man he was dating. A man. But, but, yeah. Yeah. definitely i saw the interview today it was definitely yeah. a man definitely <laughs> yeah. man okay i knew in the, that list somewhere he dated like one woman and the rest were guys maybe um, <laughs> but he was definitely mostly dating men yeah definitely um but one of them like tried to get him into the occult oh the thing was is that you had to be in a heterosexual relationship to be in uh, the occult so maybe he was like maybe using that's it why as a cover. yeah could be yeah um so, on the one hand, it very much does look like a cover story sort of thing. But on the other, he, this guy is very obviously evil. So, there's definitely a spiritual aspect to him. It's just probably not a spiritual aspect he's acknowledging. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he put cyanide in his neighbor's mayonnaise jar, for goodness sake. Like, who does that? Like, I... I here's the thing my neighbor since we have a puppy is coming over every day while I'm at work to let the puppy out and I'm, I'm like do I need to check my man <laughs> obviously I know my neighbor very well and she's right. a wonderful woman she would never do anything but when I was when I was we were reading this story and I'm like I just let whoever into my house this is not I good like you know I got a cleaning person that comes when I'm not home and like my neighbor has the key and yeah so so it's scary so much of the true crime stuff do you ever like develop a deeper mistrust of people how do you keep trusting people <laughs> oh i know i don't i mean both of the people who i just spoke of i know very well sure. and have known for years and um you know it, i don't trust very well at first so i have to it, it takes time for me to trust and I think it might be because of the true crime stuff. Um, but definitely the true crime stuff makes me more aware of my surroundings. Like if I'm pumping gas or something like that, I know who's around me and what's going on. And, uh, you know, or getting off of the beaten path onto a back road or something, I'm hyper aware. Uh, whereas I think most people, especially most women, probably aren't, uh, which is a good right. segue to plug my show for tomorrow night. <laughs> yes, please go follow Katie's <laughs> 
I overruled. She's going to have an awesome show tomorrow. Uh, are you going to have a guest on tomorrow? Yes. Uh, Justin Coleman is coming back <laughs> to talk about how to keep safe. And uh, Justin Coleman is, uh, if if anybody has seen my, my shows before, he's the gentleman that actually is a murderer and murdered a guy in 1997, served his time, is very remorseful, got out. And we had a nice conversation last time he was on, but he wanted to come back and try to help people prevent prevent people from being victims of crime so that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow he's got lots of tricks and tips that he learned in the slammer of how to hurt people without having to be a big person or you know that's overpowering somebody so we're going to talk about that sort of stuff and uh, my big thing is just always be aware of your surroundings especially women uh just be aware of your surroundings please because there's so many of these stories that i read or research where a person just gets snuck up on and there's no reason for it so Uh, But yeah, we're talking about that tomorrow at four o'clock on my channel. So be there. I would appreciate it if you would be there because it might save your life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, since you mentioned it, I start locking my car the second I get in it because usually I get in my car and I got to put on my audio book and I got to fix my ears. I wasn't doing that until I talked to Britt in that one. I forget which episode it was about that serial rapist guy, but I was not doing that. And she mentioned that. And I've started doing that, too. Yeah. And, so and be self-aware. Yeah, my I put my car when I put my car into a gear, it automatically locks the door. Right. So I'll put my foot on the gas and put it in reverse before I pull out, and then I'll mess with my phone. I'll check Twitter. I'll put the audiobook on or whatever I got to do, and then pull out. But she's absolutely right. Like wh- whoever can just come up to your car and pull you out of the car, and you would have no idea because you're focused on your phone or your dashboard or whatever it is you're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's super important. I like what Arvolt said here. He got me laughing, making notes on who has keys to Katie's house. <laughs> Uh-oh, be on the lookout. Okay, just, I did say has a key, but just so everybody knows, all of my doors are controlled from my phone, and these people have to text me and say, hey, I'm here, and I have to digitally unlock the door for them. So you can't just get in, you can't um, knock my neighbor over the head and steal the key. That's not going to work. Too bad, Arvo. Too bad. (laughs) He did say that Coleman was a great guest. I will second that. That is by far my favorite episode of Overruled. That conversation you guys had together was amazing. He had never done an interview before and he is such a good interview guest. I can't believe it. But um, I've talked him into getting a webcam this time and using a computer instead of (laughs) a phone. So hopefully the... (laughs) Hopefully the tech will be better. We'll see. I mean, it is a Hawkhound Media production, so who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? The very beginning is shaky. Sometimes in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Um, So just to kind of (laughs) like wrap up this case, the themes for um, Donald Harvey is that he was very clearly dealing with depression. Uh, He tried to see a therapist one time after the first 15 murders uh, and confessed to it. The therapist kind of dismissed him and said, oh, you didn't do that. Uh, You you hallucinated it. Um, So first of all, that therapist messed up. Mm -hmm. That therapist could have saved so many lives. Well, 68 victims. And I think the first hospital was like 20. From the yeah. time he was 18 to 21, he killed 20 people. So he that therapist could have saved all of the other ones because it was all in between the two hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's another case of someone just like not doing their job. Or, yeah, exactly. Know, letting something go under the radar because they don't want to deal with it. And I think that's what happens so often in cases like this is people just don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. People. Absolutely. It's like a weird bystander effect. Someone else will deal with it. Yeah, exactly. And the bystander effect is real. Although that one case that they attribute to the bystander effect is not really the bystander effect. Um, I forget the kitty something in New York. Uh, but... I, I have so many cases in my head. I can't keep them straight. <laughs> Kitty totally Genovese. Kitty Genovese, I think it was her Is name it? in okay. New York, uh, where they said, um, like, all of these people saw it happening and everybody thought somebody else was going to call. Um, turns out that's not what happened. That's what the, the media reported happened. Um, right. But... It really does happen. If you see a drunk driver on the road, you just assume somebody else is going to call it in. You know, right. oh, this guy's weaving in and out of traffic. He's obviously drunk. Oh, some. I'll just back off and I'll take this exit and somebody else will take care of it. You can't do that. You got to call it right. in. You, you got to call it in. And if the cops get upset because 20 people called it in, I'd rather have that happen than nobody call it in. Exactly. Yeah. Better that you are a little bit annoying to somebody yep. than somebody die because you didn't take action. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. It, it's it's really too bad. Um, so yeah, that battle with depression was pretty intense for him. I think he um, tried to nap himself a few times. Um, yeah. Do you think it was guilt? No, not at no. all. Because okay. that's another case that like I said um, with the case before this one, this is another one where um, when John Douglas was interviewing him, he tried to see if he felt bad because he, he was saying this guy thought he was going to be able to get out of jail by talking right. to John Douglas. So he was giving him all of the answers, all of the things that he thought John Douglas wanted to hear. And he said, oh, well, I, I really feel bad about, I would never do it again. And I feel bad and all this other stuff. And then John Douglas is like, I wonder how he really feels. And then waited a little while, had some more conversation and said, hey, what do you regret? And instead of saying, oh, I regret killing 68 people, he said, oh, I regret that last guy that was so young because right. that's what got him caught. So he doesn't regret it at all. He doesn't he regret regrets it getting all. caught. Yeah. Exactly. So it makes me wonder if that depression battle he was having wasn't that spiritual battle we were talking about earlier. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to find that there was something deeply negatively spiritual happening to him. Yeah, I mean, good and evil battles all yeah. the time on Earth. And in this case, evil won out. But I'd like to think that good was in there trying to fight the battle so in this particular case what do you think is the way of nature and nurture here uh i think this one is both of course nature and sure. nurture but it seems to me it, it it's more um nurture because he was abused yeah. as a child um and he started killing so he started killing at 18 years yeah. old so he so skipped young. the animals part and just went right Right to, to killing people. people. Yeah. yeah. Straight to killing people, which is insane. Uh, he, Yeah, he had 20 murders under his belt by the time he was 20 years old. So, yeah. um, man, I just can't yeah. even imagine, you know, I 
I sometimes take spiders from in my house and put them outside and, and instead of smashing them. Like <laughs> I just can't. I can't do that because I'm actually I'm very petrified of spiders. My husband will do it. So so yeah. he's the spider guy. I'm the snake lady. So I'll get the snake out of the house because <laughs> he's afraid of snakes. Now snakes, I'll kill. <laughs> We all have our limits, right? I actually killed a snake in my yard one time. Well, I, I'm i not from Georgia, but there was a snake that was trying. I'm going to send you a picture after the show. It was trying right. to get in my front window. It wasn't just like in my yard. It was on my front porch trying to get in my window. And oh I murdered gosh. him with a with a shovel in the front yard. I like flipped him off the porch and murdered the snake. Wow. Because he was trying to, he's breaking and entering, first of all, which is not it, nice. No, that's um, not nice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then my next door neighbor, uh, the husband of the woman that takes care of Ava, who's being such a good girl right now, by the way. Oh, so proud of her. <laughs> she learned. Um, comes over and, and he's like, that's like a non-poisonous, like that snake like eats the the rats and the bad stuff in the garden. I don't know what you, why'd you kill that snake? I'm like, it was trying to get in my house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. It, yeah. Exactly. Um, I thought what you were going to say is the thing about this killer is he really liked coffee. <laughs> like when, well, you're, when you're saying yeah, that, that, you mentioned it. You know what? Coffee is really good and doesn't kill elderly people and in fact <laughs> saves babies is North Arrow Coffee. So you guys should all go to northarrowcoffee.com. And that was so good. That was so good. <laughs> And use code Hawkhound to get 10% off your order. Guys, this coffee is my favorite. I'm drinking some microwaved coffee right now. The most microwavable coffee, as Abby would say, <laughs> is so good. Um, yeah, and it's it's pro-life. They donate 10% of their proceeds to pro-life causes and charities, which is so much better than some of those other coffee companies that hate you and hate your values. So yeah. make sure you guys go over and support them, show them some love. I know they just moved to Tennessee. They're setting up shop. Uh, they're doing some really great and amazing things. So please go give them your love and support. And it's good coffee. And single it's good roast coffee. or single source, single source made to order or roasted order. Roast to order, yeah. Single yeah. source, roast to order. Those are the things I'm supposed to say. <laughs> you remember it better than me. <laughs> yeah, and it really is very good coffee. And if you want to drink your coffee out of a lit or overruled mug, that's right. You can get that at our merch shop. Yeah, um, you guys should go to our merch shop. Do I have a QR code for our merch shop? Here's the overruled. Oh, two-toned yeah. mug so i at least i mean one. look at how nice that looks that is such a nice mug up in the I camera. Love that mug. And it's blue inside yeah i love it's it it's really good and it's one of the 16 or 15 ounce i guess yeah. i thought it was 16 ounce but i don't like to have a small coffee cup because i like I to have either. like um two-thirds coffee one-third milk so i need to have a larger cup <laughs> felt <laughs> So, yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting the show tonight. I know we had um, some tech issues earlier on, but thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I really appreciate it. We're actually going to move over to Rumble to talk about the last case and to answer y'all's questions. Uh, we're trying to do a Rumble only segment because, again, we want to support the companies that support our values. Uh, YouTube does not support our values, does not support our mission. It's only recently that uh, Katie was... Uh, monetized and got in bed with big tech. So that is so awesome. <laughs> I'm not yet in big with bed with big tech. I'm still small. <laughs> I want to give you guys a little sample of the case we're talking about to get you to come over to Rumble. So this yes. case is 
a mass murder that goes unsolved for 13 years and then the guy gets caught because he kidnaps a woman and chains her inside of a container shipping container so uh, definitely come over to Rumble for that. It's a really good case, and the guy's caught, and he's in prison, which is what we like to see. And, and the case itself is very interesting. The psychology behind it is very interesting. I think this is the most interesting out of all yeah. four cases. Me too. So seriously, guys, go over to Rumble. Don't forget to like and subscribe, uh, and we'll see you guys on over there. Thanks.